Welcome to services from Winfield Free Will Baptist Church, located in Winfield, Alabama, where we believe the fullness of God is real in our lives. We appreciate you listening and pray that you'll continue to do so and that God will richly bless you and touch your life through His Word. This week, we're in Fall Revival with special guest Brother Adam Smith with New Liberty Free Will Baptist Church of Fayette, Alabama. Now, let's join Pastor Kent Nelson as we welcome Brother Smith. Good evening. Glad to have you guys back with us. Glad to be back with you. If you got your Bibles, turn to the book of Acts, chapter number 6. Acts, chapter number 6. I appreciate the, uh, the guys that do all the sound and the audio, or the audio and the video stuff. That, uh, I threw them for a loop this morning. They had to move their cameras back a little bit. Sorry about that. But uh, that's, that's tough work up there that they do. And whenever the, Nobody ever notices what they're doing until there's a problem. And then everybody goes, turns and looks at them. But the uh, only thing I would ask is I'd appreciate it if you guys would make me sound smart. I always wanted to sound smart. So if y'all could do that, I'd appreciate it. Acts chapter number 7, verses 8 through 10 uh, is where we're going to read. Acts chapter 6, verses 8 through 10. If you would stand with us this evening in reverence of God's word. It says, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines and the Cyrenians and the Alexandrians and them of the Sicilians and of Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. Dear blessed Heavenly Father, Lord, as we bow before you, God, we thank you for your many blessings. Lord, we do thank you for that home in heaven that we are to receive. But God, we know that you have placed us here temporarily on this earth to work for you. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be equipped to do that. I pray that you would help me uh, as I endeavor tonight for the equipping of these saints that are here. God, I pray that you would stir hearts this evening. Lord, as you stirred us in the prayer room before already, God, I pray that that will continue to pour out into here, Lord God. And that hearts would be stirred and saints would be revived. Lord, uh, souls would be saved that don't know about salvation. And we'll be careful to give you the praise and the glory for it all. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. My message this evening is entitled, Stephen Stand. The Bible tells us in Ephesians, he says, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore. Stand therefore. Now if you look around the world today, unless you have blinders on, you will see a need for the church to stand. Now I'm not going to be all political, but we're, the church is going to have an opportunity in a few days to stand. She needs to stand up. She needs to stand up. She needs to be, the church needs to be the vocal, the, 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 the power, the authority that she's supposed to be, the force to be reckoned with that the church is supposed to be. We need to get back to the place where the church is that. Where politicians come to the church and say, what do you think about this? Instead of, oh, we don't care what they think because they don't matter. Let me tell you something. We got in that position because we laid down. The church laid down, but we've got to stand. I want to look at Stephen 
for just a little bit tonight and his stand and this stand that he took. First thing that I want you to notice is that it was a protested stand. When you stand up for Jesus, when you stand up for what is right, when you stand up for what is bound up between these pieces of leather, it will be a protested stand. If nobody is against you, nobody is vocal against you, then you're probably not standing up for Jesus. You're probably not standing up for your, pray, your faith. You're probably just kind of going along with things. And I, I told you a little bit this morning about those, those numbers from that report that I, that I read that were so startling. That's, what, that's the result you get from parents not standing. Parents not teaching their children the right, right way the authority that comes from the Word of God. If this is not your final authority in all faiths and practices, then there is no authority. If this is not truth, if truth is not absolute, then there is no real truth. What's wrong is wrong, and it will always be wrong. We, uh, you know, uh, Saturday wasn't hardly fit for much of nothing except for watching movies. So we, uh, we went to Jasper and ate breakfast, and we come back home, and we, uh, we watched a few movies, and we were watching it on the, the, the streaming thing there. So, and apparently our internet so intelligent, it thought we were in Georgia, and it was giving us all the Georgia political ads. So we got to hear what they've been hearing for the last eternity. I hate them. Gosh, I hate them. I, I strongly dislike them. Christians are not hate. <laughs> strongly dislike them. But they would get on there and they would, they would attack one side or the other. And what blows my mind when they attack the right they say this, 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 and I won't call any name. Well, you can't vote for them anyway. But anyway, I certainly hope you're not voting for them because that would, never mind, never mind, never mind. I'm trying to keep it in the lane here. Holy Spirit, help me. I don't, I don't want to talk to you, I want God to talk to you, okay? So I have to keep myself in check. But they, they, would, they would call this person's name and they say, he, he would deny women their right to health care. When what they should have been saying is he would deny women the right to kill an innocent baby. That's what they should be saying. But they sugarcoat things. So when you stand up against these things, this evil, and, and by the way, who in the world else should the church be standing up for than somebody as innocent as a poor unborn baby? I mean, I know the Bible says in sin was I conceived, but what has that child done to this world that it deserves to die? Nothing, absolutely nothing. I tell you what, it does. The, 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 the only solace that I get from any of that is that that child is saved from having to live on this dreadful thing we call earth and having to endure some of the things that we endure and they're sheltered safe in the arms of God right away. That's the solace that I get from the whole thing. But when you stand up against those things, it is protested and they come against you with everything that they have. If the world is for you, then you're probably standing on the wrong side of the line. If the world by and large supports you, if there's nobody, uh, if there's nobody out there that's a lunatic that's against you, you're probably not very vocal about your faith. It will be a protested stand. In Acts chapter number 6, verses 9 through 14, it says, Certain in the synagogues disputed with Stephen. It will be protested at all costs. They could not resist, though, the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. I wonder why. Where it came from. The wisdom and the spirit by which he spake was of God. 
It was otherworldly. And they could not wrap their hands around it. They wanted so badly to disagree with him. But what he was saying made so much sense. I don't know. Like, maybe this child has a right to live. Makes sense, doesn't it? Maybe it's not this child's fault that someone didn't do what they should have done. Makes sense, doesn't it? The, the world, and so they, they have to paint it as something else and attack it because it will be a protested stand. They became so desperate that they set up false witness against him. Now, have we not seen that a time or three? They set up false witness against him. That is the oldest trick in the book, and the devil's still using it. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came upon him and caught him and brought him to the council. It will be a protested stand when you stand against Satan. When you stand on the authority of the word of God, it will be protested by your community. Oh, there'll be a few. There'll be a few that are for you. There'll be a few that want to help you. But by and large, it will be protested. You do not have to look very far to see that your community, just like every other one around, is infiltrated by various things that are contrary to what the Bible preaches and teaches. Homosexuality is rampant everywhere. You don't have to look very far. You can probably look somewhere in your family tree and find it. But we don't want to say anything to them because we don't want to hurt their feelings. I'd rather somebody's feelings be hurt and them look up in, from hell and say, at least they hurt my feelings and explain to me why I'm here. If we love them, we've got to tell them the truth. But you've got to remember this. If you love them, you tell the truth. And you tell the truth in love. Nobody knows Nobody cares what you know until they know you care. We've got to remember that. I, the perfect example of this is, uh, y'all know uh, Truett Cathy, the, the CEO of, uh, of uh, Chick-fil-A, the Lord's holy bird. Man, praise the Lord. How can you be against Chick-fil-A? It's good. It's, I, I would say it's the best chicken sandwich there is, but Daddy don't, he says their chicken sandwich is not as good as, as, as some others. I'm, I'm not going to say he's wrong because he's my dad and I've got to respect him. And he's here, so I gotta respect him. But he likes the restaurant. The restaurant's good, and what they stand for is good. I like their chicken too. They took a stand against those things, and immediately they were attacked. And you wanna know what they did? They fed the protesters chicken sandwiches for free, <laughs> heaping coals of fire. They were showing love. We're not, hey, look, we're not against you because we don't like you. We're against the lifestyle you're living, and we love you enough to tell you that it's wrong. That's right. That's right. Could we buy you lunch? You know, Jesus ate with sinners, but he never sinned. It'll be a protested stand. It was also an informed stand. Now, in, in Acts chapter 7, we have nearly a whole chapter where Stephen establishes his platform. 53 verses, he goes all the way back to Abraham and he told them about the nation of Israel being in bondage and how God would judge that nation. How God made a covenant with Abraham. Now understand, he's been brought before the council here. 
because they didn't like what he's doing. And, and, uh, and, and they've hired some people to lie against him so that they can uh, prosecute him and eventually put him to death. And so they got these people that's lying against him. And he's standing before this great, big, important council and he begins to defend his position. And he starts with the covenant with Abraham. Then he goes on to Joseph and how he was sold as a slave, but that God was with him and delivered him out of that affliction. And how God used Joseph to, to, to preserve Jacob and his sons. Then he goes on to Moses and how his life was spared. And how he was raised by Pharaoh's daughter. And how he fled in fear for his life and lived in the wilderness for 40 years. And there God spoke with him from the burning bush and called him to lead God's people out of Egypt saying, and I am the God of thy fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses trembled and durst not behold. Then said the Lord to him, put off thy shoes from thy feet, for the place where thou standest is holy ground. Can I just say to you tonight, wherever you're at is holy ground. You are in the presence of Almighty God wherever you go. That's a good thing on Sunday morning when you're acting like you're supposed to and it may not be such a great thing on Saturday night when you ain't. Amen? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you show up at church the next morning you still got the stamp from the bar on your hand from the night before. He knows you were there. Preacher may not know, but Jesus knows. I have seen, I have seen the affliction of my people which is in Egypt. And I have heard their groanings and have come down to deliver them and now I come and I will send thee into Egypt. He tells of Moses and how he received the law and how the people grew impatient and convinced Aaron that they should make a golden calf and worship it. The theme of his speech concerns Israel's repeated rejection of God's messengers. Despite God's grace. Aren't you thankful for God's grace? Using primarily Joseph and Moses, Stephen showed how Israel rejected first their own brother and then Moses and, del and deliverer and later as the leader God had appointed over them. I mean, bless his heart, Moses, I mean, he prayed for him, he interceded on their behalf and they wanted to stone him every time he turned around. I mean, they were a tough bunch. A lot like us. We're fickle. But Moses stood Stephen is given this defense here. It was the Sanhedrin and this nation, not Stephen, who had blasphemed Moses and the law. They were the ones that were in the wrong. But they sat down there, they sat there looking down their noses at this man of God. Stephen stood before those in power and told them they were the ones in the wrong. The believer of God, the preacher of the gospel, really not even called to be a preacher. He was one of the servants that had brought on, but he was full of the Holy Ghost and his ministry just sparked off and that was kind of, it was short-lived, I believe, but it was effective. And he stood and he looked at those in power and he said, no, sir, you are wrong. That's the authority the church is supposed to operate under. We're supposed to, first of all, know our word and know when the world is out of sorts and look at the world and say, no, sir, you are wrong. You are wrong to do that. You are wrong to live that way. You are wrong, wrong to act this way. You are wrong to support this or whatever. You fill in the blank. Stephen knew that the law was good and that it showed us how incapable we are of living up to God's holy standard. But Jesus is better 
And that He came to fulfill the law for us. He came to be the propitiation for our sins. He came to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. And these, these men were against Jesus. And Stephen didn't say, well, I better be quiet because they're here. Stephen kept on preaching. And when they arrested him, Stephen kept on preaching. And as they were stoning him, Stephen kept on preaching. Stephen was standing up for what he said he believed in. Hebrews 10 and 2 says, for, having, uh, for the law, having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect, but Jesus can. Jesus said it like this, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am come not to destroy, but to fulfill. I'm here to do it because you couldn't do it. I made the law so that you could see that you couldn't do it. And then I came to fulfill it. It was an informed stand. Let me just tell you this. If you stand, you need to expect for it to be protested. If you stand, you better be ready to stand and be informed on what you're standing on. Don't just look at them and say, well, I'm against it. And when they say, well, why? Because uh, Brother Kent said he's against it. They was talking about it over there in Sunday school the other day, and they was all against it, so I'm against it. Now, I'm, you know, I'm kind of like this. A preacher I like to listen to a lot of times, he's talking about, he was, I don't even know what the deal was, but it was something that he, they were, he was against, and it was, it was evil. He said, I heard, he said, I heard Hagee preaching against it the other day, and he said, if Hagee's against it, I'm ten times against it. There's some people you just know if they're against it, you probably ought to be too. But you better know why you're against it. Don't look at them and say, well, I, one time I heard Billy Graham preach against it, so I thought I'd better be against it. You better know. Be informed. I think a lot of times we ain't standing because we're not informed. And it's embarrassing to try to make a stand when you're in, uninformed. It was a bold stand. We see as he wraps up his defense just before his closing statement, he addresses the accusation about the destruction of the temple. You know, they, talk, uh, they talked about the destruction of the temple uh, in, uh, in those last few verses there. There is an obvious boldness of Stephen's stand. He stood before men that clearly had the authority to kill him, right? They had the authority to put him to death. And that's who he stood before. He proclaimed the truth. He didn't crawfish. He didn't start backing up. When they, when, they, when they continued in their position against him, he didn't say, well, now, you know, guys, I, I, know, I know I said that, but now maybe they, maybe, just maybe, it might have been too, just a little out of context. I don't want to get crossed up with you guys. I don't know about you, but I don't want to get crossed up with Jesus. He's the sustainer of all things. He holds the world in the palm of his hand. Ursie's footstool. You want to make him mad? I don't. I want him to be pleased with me. I mean, there's a part of Adam Smith, just the fleshly part of me that, you know, I'm a like, I like people and I want people to like me. There's a part of me that, you know, I want to leave and be able to know, hey, I think those folks kind of like me. But at the end of the day, more important than you liking me is I want to know that God's satisfied with the work that I did for him because I'm working for him. He didn't crawfish, he didn't back down, he didn't change his story. 
If anything, he geared the tractor down, dropped the plow, and dug deeper. You want to know why? Because he had their attention. When you get the world's attention, don't back down. See, Mr. Kathy, when he got the world's attention, he, he said, ooh, this may be bad for business. I better back off this issue. Mm-mm. He continued to stand because he knew he was right. And he knew in whom he believed. And if I'll make him happy with me, everything will be all right. If I lose everything here, if he's satisfied, then I'm satisfied. It's a bold stand. God will give you the boldness to accomplish his work. It says in Acts 4 and 31, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with meekness. Uh Uh-uh. They spake the word of God softly. They spake the word of God cowardly. The Bible says they spoke the word of God with boldness. Let me tell you something. I am, there's, yeah, right there. I am proud of that flag. I'm proud of it, man. I wear, we went, <laughs> I'll tell you this little funny. I didn't think nothing about it. I had gotten, a, April had bought me a shirt at Cracker Barrel. I love Cracker Barrel too, praise the Lord. <laughs> I felt the spirit on that. She had got me this, she'd pick, uh, we picked out a shirt, and it, I mean, it just had little flags all over it. It's kind of an older looking shirt, you know, and I'm an older type fellow. I'm an old soul in a young body. I know, I'm well put together, and you'll have a hard time believing that. But anyway, this is my story, I'm telling it. I came down from behind the pulpit so I could tell this part. <laughs> say it like I want to say it. This is how it is in my mind. In my mind, I'm like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And my wife believes that, so y'all don't tell her any different. <laughs> I got the bluff on her. So I got this shirt, and it's just got little American flags all over it, and I love it. And, and, uh, and we're going with, the, with the, the group, uh, the homeschool group, going on a field trip, and we're going to Moundville. And I thought we were just going to Moundville, taking the school group to the, the, the little park thing there and going to go through, go through it because I don't really like crowds all that much. And uh, I know it's hard to believe, right? Preachers don't like crowds. <laughs> I like them at church. I mean, we fill this thing up, and I'd be just fine. But anyway... Uh, just random, un, you know, people. I don't. Anyway, it's weird. I'm sorry. God loves me. He knows my heart. And y'all got to live with me. So, anyway, we go to the Indian festival, and on the way there, I realized that it's it's the big festival. I, if you ever been to Moundville, there's nothing to do there if they're not having that festival. And if they're having that festival, it's oh my gosh, getting in there. It's horrible. It's like trying to get into BJCC. But anyway. We get there. Well, I've got my, my flag shirt on. I ain't thought nothing about this. And uh, somebody in, in the group, one of the, one of the daughters from the group tells her mom, she says, I can't believe he's wearing that shirt. <laughs> and April's like, she couldn't believe he's wearing that shirt. I was like, why? And I looked down, I seen all the American flags. And I'm like, oh, Indians. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> And just for a little bit, I was like, man, because I, 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 didn't, I didn't think nothing about it. I mean, my thinking is, if you, that don't not offend you. If you live here and breathe this, uh, this wonderful air that God's put on America, America. And I'm like, oh, man. And for a few miles there, I'm driving down the road, and I'm feeling bad about it. I'm just like, man, this, oh, man, I'm going to offend something. And then I got to thinking about it. God blessed me 
with the opportunity, the blessing of living in the greatest country on this big ball we call earth. And if this flag offends you, I don't care. I would say go back home, but you know, some of y'all get that in a minute. <laughs> we took it from them. Gosh, y'all. Did y'all pay attention in your uh, history? I felt bad for a little while. But I said, you know what? I didn't do anything wrong. And this flag represents unity to me. The United States of America. I'll fight you over that one. But I'm liable to kill you over that one. This is the most important flag to the believer. And if that statement offends you, you need to come to the altar. Because that one's the most important. The flag of our Savior Jesus Christ. I don't even know how I got off on that. Being, about being bold. For a minute there, I lost my boldness. And then I got it back just after a few miles. When God calls you to do something, he equips you for the task that's ahead. We need boldness for the task at hand. Now is not the time for the church to cower down. Now is not the time for the believer to say, well, I just want to get along with everybody. I just want us all to be able to come. I don't see any reason why Buddhists and Muslims and just whatever ought to be able to come in here and we ought to all be able to just pray together to our own God. This is not the time for the real church to say that. My son told me, I won't get too, too deep in the details, but my son told me of one organization up there where he's at that it's a, this is a church, and I'll use that term loosely, that allowed some folks to come in and have their traditional, I don't want to say the word, but non-Christian, non-God believing, for them to have their worship service inside their sanctuary. Now let me explain something to you. I understand very well that we are the, tap, we are the sanctuary. We are the dwelling place. We are the church. But let me tell you something, church. There ought to be something special to you about the building that you've set aside to worship God in. There ought to be some homage paid, some reverence, some respect. There ought to be some things that you won't do because it's inside this building here. This is the place where you can, you can meet with God anywhere, but this is the special place that you've set aside to come and meet with God. You ought not let just anything go on inside it. And I'll just leave that there. I remember when we were we was talking about building, uh, building our church, uh, there was one person I talked to who said, you know, we got chairs, and I, you know, whatever you want, that's fine. we went with pews, and that's, and that's what we went with, and I'm glad we went with it, that's what I would have voted on, but I'm not saying that people have chairs are going to hell, that's not what I'm saying, I want you to think that. They said, we get chairs, and see, that's the great thing is you can move them, or move them around, and, and I'm like, first thing I thought was, somebody going to want to have a wedding in there, and have a dance in the backside of the sanctuary, and you can do that now because you ain't got, you don't have pews bolted down. I'm like, pews, bolt them down, we ain't moving them. Don't even want to have to fight that fight. Everybody wants to involve God just a little bit in certain things. We want to live like, I'm not, just, just live like hell all of our lives. And then... Come, we, we, want to have, we want to get married and we want to honor God in some way and we want to come into the church but we want to desecrate God's church building while we're doing it. That's hogwash. 
And the church needs to stand. That's not even part of these notes, but anyway. Somebody needed to hear that, or I needed to say it one. We must plow forward. Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. If God has put you on a mission, if God has called you to stand, you don't look back and say, Hmm, should I have went over there? Too late, sister, brother, we already right here. Don't look back. Look to God. It was a bold stand, but it was a costly stand. In uh, Acts chapter, 50, uh, chapter uh, 7, uh, verses 57 and 58, it says, And they cried out with a loud voice, and stopped their ears, and ran upon him with one accord. I'm not going to say a word other than this. What in the world does that remind you of now? They don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to hear the truth and say so they just go, I don't want to hear your truth. Because they can't. They, there's no rebuttal for it. There's no rebuttal when you're against right. And they were against right here. They cried with a loud voice. It says, And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And witnesses laid their clothes at the young man's feet whose name was Saul. It was a costly stand. Stephen was killed because of the message that he preached. Based solely on the amount that he's mentioned in Scripture, his career as an evangelist didn't last very long. I don't believe it lasted very long. I don't have any numbers, but I just don't think. I mean, he started in Acts chapter number 6, and he's dead in 7. That's pretty short. Now, I don't know what the time frame is, but I just don't believe that it was very long. The term that what I thought about was gone but not forgotten. That's what came to mind. We're still talking about him, right? One commentary said this, His career was brief but illustrious because we're still talking about him today. If it were to come down to it, believer, would you stand? And let me just say right here, not would your church stand. My church, blah, 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 blah. That's great. If it's against God's law, then the church should be against it. But don't hide behind the church. How do you stand? How do I stand? Because they may not come, you know, when the persecutor comes, he may not say, you know, I know how Winfield feels about it up there at the First Free Will Baptist Church in Winfield. I know how they feel about it. You go up there. They're going to want to know how you stand. How do you stand? Will you stand up in that time? Would you stick to your guns knowing that it would cost you your life? Jesus said, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Another, another one of, this is one of Hagee's quotes. I, I, like, I just like his quotes. He has, says this all the time. If we do not use our freedoms to defend our freedoms, we will lose our freedoms. If you don't stand up, then don't look in a few years and say, well, I wonder how we got here. Hey, you'd say, well, you laid down. So I'm just going to agree with him and say you laid down. And I'm talking to myself too. But it was a rewarding stand. In verse number 59, it says, And they stoned Stephen, calling upon the Lord. Now as Stephen is being stoned, as he's losing his life over what he believes and preaches, he's still calling upon the Lord. And saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He knew where he's going, right? 
And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. He fought a good fight. He kept the faith. And God had something laid up for him. And Stephen entered in on his great reward. Even as he's being stoned, he's calling out to God. I might say, you might say it like this, who in the world else are you going to call out to? I want you to use your imagination just a little bit. Now the Bible plainly teaches that Jesus is where? Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? Bueller? Seated at the right hand of the Father. Sorry, I was, that was the one I was looking for. All those others were great, I promise. Ain't that amazing he's in a lot of places? But for all intents and purposes right now, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father while I make an intercession for you and I. That's the place of honor. That's the place of authority. Colossians 3 verse 1 says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. So we see there is Bible for the statement that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. Now, this is just my imagination. I want you to go along with me, okay? Now, I want you to think about this. In verse number 55. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Now this is just how it plays out in my mind. Twice we see Jesus was standing. Now remember this. Hebrews chapter number 4 and verse 15 says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Jesus knows all about every struggle. He knows about every single thing you're facing, every single thing you're dealing with, because that's the kind of high priest that we have. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. And this is just how I imagine it. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. And He's seeing everything that goes on. If Jesus Christ sees everything that goes on in your life, everybody believe that? This means yes, this means no. There's nothing that goes on in your life that God didn't already know was going to happen. And he sees it as it's happening. If he sees everything going on in your life, he saw everything that was going on in Stephen's life. And I just believe it's like this. There he is seated at the right hand of God and he sees what's taking place here. And he's watching as Stephen is standing. And he's listening to that brilliant defense that he gave Stephen to give to the Sanhedrin. And he begins to stand up and he says, Daddy, look at this one. He's standing. He's standing up for me. I stood for Him. He's standing for me. He's standing in the face of adversity, in the face of certain death. Jesus stands up and He says, this one, Stephen, is standing for me. And at that time, Stephen looks up and says, oh buddy, what kind of reward might that be? You, in the middle of your desperate hour, standing in defense of what you believe in, losing your life because of what you believe in, and you look up into glory and you see the one you're standing for, standing up at the right hand of His Father, saying, look at there. Look at there. 
It's a rewarding stand when you stand for God. We'll stand up for anything. We'll stand up for our kids when they're wrong. If you don't believe that, you need to run a jail for a little while. I can't tell you how many mamas I talked to, their kid never did anything wrong. I'm talking about grown men now. Would you let so-and-so be a trustee and go out on work release? No. You want to know why? Because mama called and asked. Stand up. Stand up and be a man. Own up to your decisions. Make your requests made known to who the authority is. Church, we've got to stand up. I like Stephen's last words. And they're akin to the man who he was seeing as he's looking up at the right hand of the Father and he sees Jesus. And I believe he just remembered the last thing he heard Jesus say. And he looks at him and he says, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said that, he fell asleep. He could hear the words of Jesus. Lord, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It's a rewarding stand. That also shows me this, that even though his words, even though Stephen's words had cut them to the heart, made them so angry that they stoned him and lied on him and killed him, those words were spoken out of love. Because he didn't look and say, God, would you please kill every one of them that threw a rock? He said, God, forgive them. Lay not this sin to their charge. It was spoken out of genuine love. That gets me back to my point I brought up earlier. They don't care what you know until they know you care. So we've got to make sure when we're telling the truth, we tell the truth in love. Oh, Ernie Dawson that sang with uh, the group Airline, sang the song, I will stand for Jesus. I will stand for Jesus, though the world may say I'm wrong. I will lift the bloodstained banner and sing Redemption's song. I will tell the world of the amazing grace, how His blood washed away my sin. Oh, I want the world to hear my voice, for Jesus is coming back again. Would you stand for Jesus in the face of adversity? Would you make that stand? Time for the church to stand. You've been listening to Revival Services from Winfield Free Will Baptist Church with special guest brother Adam Smith, pastor of New Liberty Free Will Baptist Church of Fayette, Alabama. We're located at 1960 U.S. Highway 43 in Winfield, Alabama. We'd love to have you join us live in person if you're able. Sunday school begins at 10 a.m. each Sunday with worship services at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. with Bible study every Wednesday night at 6 p.m. If you'd like to support the ministry of Winfield Free Will Baptist Church or you'd just love to send us your questions, comments, or prayer requests, feel free to mail us your love offer or correspondence to P.O. Box 866, Winfield, Alabama 35594. You can also give by texting 256-344-3648. You can also follow us online. Just search for Winfield Frugal Baptist Church on Facebook or YouTube where we live stream all of our services. Again, thank you for joining us.